Week six of the NFL season's behind us. You're listening to the Gridiron Authority Podcast. My name is Keith Thornton. With me, as always, my co-host, Mike Adams. Mike, what are we looking forward to this week? Uh, you know, we got a lot to cover, a lot of big games coming up, a lot of big performances this last week, a couple upsets in there, a couple disappointing performances. Uh, COVID still having a small effect on the schedule. Uh, so we got a lot to cover. All right, let's hit the music. All right, let's start with what I think is honestly one of the more bittersweet headlines of the week, and that's Brian Flores announcing that Tua is going to start for the rest of the season, benching Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let's listen in on what Brian Flores had to say real quick. You know, practice, we talked about it as a staff, um, Chris, personnel department, we just felt like it was the best move for the team right now, and uh, you know, that's how we're going to move forward. All right, so from an analytical standpoint, obviously we knew this was going to happen, and I think it makes sense. So let's put aside what we think of Ryan Fitzpatrick and all the stuff for right now, and do you think this makes sense at this point in the season? Uh, I mean, setting aside the Ryan Fitzpatrick stuff, absolutely. Um, they're going into a bye week. They're getting two weeks to give you know two of that mentality of you you are the guy. Um, I mean, we all know that it, we all knew it was coming eventually, but we didn't know if it would be this year next year later this year um you know kind of a you know if it would be a Mahomes Alex Smith situation if maybe Fitzpatrick would start most of the season and then maybe Tua gets a game or two at the end um just to get him a feel going into next year um it is yeah I think it is the right decision but it's a little surprising at this point uh, at the same time seeing as that they're three and three and they're actually I think second in the division um and and actually in the playoff hunt uh, so it is a little surprising at this point, but they obviously have great confidence in Tua. Uh, we saw what Tua did in college, I think. If I remember right, he's he when he got injured, he was the most efficient passer in college history. Um, so, I mean, the guy can play. Uh, he only played a few snaps this last week, but he looked good. He looked crisp, uh, looked calm out there. Um, I believe I saw a stat. He was the first left-handed quarterback to complete a pass in the NFL since 2015. Uh, so that's kind of cool to see. So. Um, I think it's the right, right decision, but uh, still a couple question marks to it. Yeah, I, honestly, I, like I said, we knew it was going to happen, and I think it's the right decision getting him to play, but to me, um, it's not the right time. I mean, yeah. you're not only talking about them going on a win streak, they're on a blowout streak. They are whooping down on people, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is part of the reason why. So it, to me, it's shocking that right now they're just all of a sudden going to pull the plug. Uh, yep. It's not like Tua, you know, Tua got to play at the end of the game, but it's not like he came in there and lit it up and was like, oh my God, we got to start this guy. So yeah, it's a little concerning. Uh, let's listen to what Ryan Fitzpatrick had to say about it. Uh, I, I mean, I was, I was uh, shocked by it. You know, it definitely caught me off guard and, uh, you know, it was a, it was a hard thing for, for me to hear. Uh, yesterday, just kind of digesting the news. Um, my heart just hurt all day. Like it was, it was heartbreaking for me. Um, you know, and I, Flo kind of said what he said and said what he said to you guys as well. And that's the decision and the direction that the organization is going in. And obviously, you know, we've talked in the past 
uh, me and you guys about, you know, how I'm the placeholder and this eventually was going to happen no matter, it, it was just a matter of kind of when, not if. And um, it's still just, it, it broke my heart yesterday. And, um, you know, it's a tough, uh, tough thing for, for me to hear and to now have to deal with, but, um, you know, I'm going to do my best with it. So I think part that's most heartbreaking for me is this isn't the first time he's been benched for a younger player or even a not younger player, but yeah, this has to be the first time in his career he's been benched when he's playing so good. Yeah. Um, so it's a little shocking in that. And, and, and honestly, if I could give a teammate of the year award out to somebody this year, it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, the reaction that he had when Tua came out on the field, he's cheering, jumping up and down, pumping up the fans. Granted, he didn't know that would be his last play probably as the Dolphins starter, but uh, nothing but respect for this guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's doing everything right. He's kind of in that, again, I mentioned earlier, the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes uh, situation where it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. Um, and, I mean, he's doing everything right. Obviously, he is, you know, upset and, you know, like he said, heartbroken um, at the situation because he is playing well, but we also know – the, the flip side of Ryan Fitzpatrick is he has these these games and these stretches where he he looks phenomenal, but then he also has the five interception game the next week. Um, so there's always that in the back of your mind of, you know, when, when's he going to crumble a little bit? Um, so, again, from an organizational standpoint, I get it uh, or an organ organization standpoint i get it um i get that they want to get their guy in they want to see what they have and they want to see if if they can build excitement um around a playoff push behind their franchise quarterback so um i get it but i do feel bad for for fitzpatrick because i mean he's done everything right so far and like you said this isn't the first time it's happened to him so um but i mean he's going to move on he's a professional and he's going to do the he's going to do everything he can to make sure Tua plays well so let me ask you this. Let me just balance this, for instance, off of you. What happens if Tua comes in and struggles and they start losing down the stretch? Do they go back to Fitzpatrick or is it Tua's show from here on out? Uh, I mean, I think he'd really have to struggle. I mean, we're talking like Jamarcus Russell-style struggle. Um, I mean, it, it'd have to be really, really bad, and they'd have to lose seven, eight, nine straight, um, I think, for them to go back to Fitzpatrick. Um I think barring injury, um, this is Tua's team the rest of the year. Um, whether you know whether they win or lose, um, I mean they could go on an eight game win or losing streak, but Tua could be playing well enough, um, and they the defense could struggle or the run game could struggle, things like that. So um, I think barring you know one of those, uh, God, I can't uh, Nathan Peterman style stretches you know maybe if maybe if after four games he's got you know no touchdowns to 12 interceptions maybe they say hey you know let's put Fitzpatrick back in because two is not ready <laughs> yeah so, speaking of Jamarcus Russell how's Dwayne Haskins doing sorry that was a little too soon yeah that's uh, uh, I'm hearing a lot of comparisons there and that's never a good sign nope <laughs> okay so let's go to some other big news from last week we talked about obviously the Jets cutting Le'Veon Bell him going out as a free agent. We talked about the Chiefs being a potential landing spot, and that's exactly what he did, um, signing with the Chiefs. Uh, it's obviously more fuel for the fire for this Chiefs offense, and then you see what the Chiefs did running the football this week. Um, here's what Le'Veon Bell had to say about joining the Chiefs and his decision. You know, when I had the opportunity, um, you know, once I was, 
you know, a free agent, um, you know, talking to Coach Reed, um, just over in that course, it's like, it was just kind of undeniable to come, try to come here, help this team, um, you know, any ways that I can help them out, you know. Um, you know, being an opportunity to play with Coach Reed is just going to be, you know, magnificent for me. So, um, play with these players around, um, you know, uh, Patty Mahomes. Um, I never played with a player, you know, MVP-wise, you know, so um, it's going to be fun. You know, I think it's a lot of weapons. It's going to be fun for me. So I think the interesting thing about this clip to me is, to me it sounds like he's finally put the me-first mentality behind him. And everyone always says he's a great teammate. Obviously, all we see in the news is his money and and everything he wants, and it kind of seems selfish, but he basically said he's going to come here and help them however he can. So obviously, he's not going to dethrone Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's going to help, and and I think it's a perfect fit for what the Chiefs are looking to do. How do you like the signing? Uh, I mean, I, I love the signing. We talked about this last week. Um, <clears throat> I, I love what he brings to Kansas City. Um, he brings that just, again, that extra weapon, um, and nothing against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but if Le'Veon Bell is healthy, you know, he's he's definitely a better player. Um, especially in the Andy Reid system. Edward Zelaire has done some really great things. Um, but typically as the season goes on, we see rookies tend to slow down and they, they hit that kind of roadblock essentially. Um, so having someone like Le'Veon Bell there will will definitely help. Now, we'll see how many touches he gets and, and how this affects uh, Edward Zelaire. And um, obviously I expect the first week or two weeks that Le'Veon Bell is going to slowly be worked into it probably more of that five to 10 touch range. Um, but after, you know, come that third game or fourth game, I expect him to start getting in the, you know, 12 to 18 touch range um, and still keep Edward Delaire uh, involved. But um, we are starting to get into the, to the bad weather season right now. And um, we both know as, as well as anybody that Kansas city can have some pretty bad weather. So having two running backs like this, that can, you know, power you through like Edward Delaire did this last week against Buffalo. Um, I mean, it's just going to make him a better team. And it gives him, again, it just gives him another weapon. So um, I can't imagine being a defensive coordinator and seeing Edward Delaire, Bell in the backfield uh, with Tyreek and Sammy Watkins, you know, on the outside and Travis Kelsey in the slot. So, uh, I mean, that's going to be terrifying. Yeah, and we talked, uh, maybe maybe more argued than talked, but we talked this week with a friend about um, – <laughs> the way that the Chiefs can run this offense, and and when you look at the way the Chiefs have been stopped with the Raiders dropping all the guys back in coverage, the Patriots stopping the guys back in coverage, uh, they cannot do that. I mean, you saw the Bills do that this last week, and they got dominated by the Chiefs' run game. Yep. Now that you add Le'Veon Bell in there, they cannot drop that many guys back, or they're going to get beat on the ground. And the Chiefs proved it. They said, if you're going to keep – actually, Mahomes' exact words were, if you're going to keep showing us this defense, we're going to run the ball on you. Yep. So now they're going to have to start loading the box up. It's going to open Mahomes back up. You're going to start to see some of uh, what's made Mahomes so dynamic and so amazing his career. So I think this is nothing but help the Chiefs. And and honestly, for the way that the Jets did it, really dumb. Um, the Chiefs are going to have to pay him six hundred ninety thousand dollars, and the Jets are going to pay him six million to seven million dollars yep. for the Chiefs to have him this year. So win win across the board. So yeah. for Adam Gates. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and and another thing, I mean, like you just said, it's gonna, it's if they have both those running backs, what it does is it forces them, it forces the defense to acknowledge that they're there. It it forces them to to check the running backs and check in the backfield and bring that defense up just a little bit 
Um, and by doing that, it's going to open up the offense even more. It's going to open them up for some of those big plays or those play actions. Um, and, and again, if teams keep dropping, you know, six, seven, eight guys back, then the Chiefs are just going to run it down your throat. They they show that they can do that against, uh, you know, a pretty solid Buffalo defense. They've struggled a little bit this year, but, you know, the Buffalo defense is still above average, I believe. So, um, yeah, I mean, just great signing overall. And I will say on the on the Clyde Edwards-Alaire note, he already has more rushing yards than the Chiefs' leading rusher, Damian Williams, did last year. So. Yep. Uh, and, and this is through six games, so yep, really great stuff by by him, and and I'm I'm really excited for where this offense can go, and it, and I get why some Chiefs fans don't like it because they're they want the flashy Mahomes to Hill big twenty thirty yard touchdowns, but I'm telling you, I will take clock control with the potential for Mahomes to either run or throw it deep on any play. That's how they're going to win another Super Bowl. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's dive into our game recaps here, and we'll talk about some of the other headlines while we're into this, but uh, let's start with the Texans and Titans. I mean, that was a hell of a game. Went to overtime. Derrick Henry looked unstoppable in the game. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, it. it this this was a crazy game. I mean, Titans jumped up big early. Texans came back, took the lead, um, went for two points to try and put the game. I think that would have put it at uh, nine points instead of seven. Um, and then the Titans were able to to score and and uh, or would have put it at eight points instead of six, something along those lines. Um, but the Titans were able to score, take it into overtime, uh, and end up winning the game. Derrick Henry, two hundred and twelve yards, two touchdowns. I believe one of the runs was a like what like a ninety five yard touchdown run or something. Yeah. Um, Ryan Tannehill threw for three sixty six and four touchdowns. I mean that guy is, you know, we joked at the beginning of the season. We joked last year that he was really just there to hand off to Derrick Henry. You know, that's his job is just turn and hand off. Um, but that guy is putting up some really solid stats. And I mean, and he's another game or two like this. And you're you're talking about Ryan Tannehill being in the MVP conversation. So. Um, I mean, quietly putting together a stellar season. Um, Derrick Henry finally exploded. I think this is his third straight season with a 200-yard game. He's one of only a few guys to ever do that. Um, I mean, they, they just look great. Um, and and the Texans. I mean, the Texans look good. They lost the game, but the Texans played well. They the Texans definitely look like a different team under Romeo Cornell. They there's more fire to them. There's more excitement. Uh, and, and they're just playing better football, um, despite giving up 42 points to the Titans. I mean, what I cared about with, uh, a new head coach was seeing that offense actually stretch it out a little bit and, and, uh, and improve and open up and, and that's what they're doing. So, I mean, the Texans lost, but they played a hell of a game. So, uh, there's no shame in losing to an undefeated team in overtime. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. And I think this is two things too, because the Titans, obviously dominated the bills last week. They look good coming off of their unexpected buy from COVID. Um, they're definitely a, an AFC favorite. I, w- I don't want to say favorite because you know, obviously that hurts my chiefs, but they're up there. I mean, if it's not the chiefs, it's the Titans right up there in the AFC championship game favorites. But as much shit as I gave Romeo Cornell, because obviously personal reasons, him being a former chiefs head coach, I a hundred percent agree with the decision. I know they criticize him a lot, so it was if if he went for two and got it, they would have been up nine points, which would have made a two score game. Yep. So in his mind, which is the way I would think too, if I go for two, best case scenario, game's over. It's a two two possession game, and they can't get it back. Worst case scenario, they can kick it and send us to overtime, and that's what happened. I think it was worth the gamble. I don't. I mean, 
yeah, you can make it harder by giving it an eight point game, but really there's not much difference between an eight point and a seven point because, you know, they can still do it in one score. So yeah. I'm all for the decision. And that's not the reason they lost this game. The reason they lost this game is because they, they couldn't stop Derrick Henry at all. Yeah. And it's, it's a 50, 50 thing, you know, coin flip here. It's, uh, you know, if if they make the two point conversion, we're talking about what a genius Romeo Cornell is, and unfortunately, they didn't make the two point conversion, so everyone's questioning Romeo Cornell. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, and uh, you know, right now it's you know damned if you don't for him. So, um, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I don't question that call at all. I think it was it was a great call, um, great game. It was, I mean, hell of a game, honestly. And I will give it to them. They, you're, I mean, I'm, I'm with you 100%. They look like a different team without Bill O'Brien there. So, obviously, yeah. that was a great decision to get rid of him. Yep. Uh, where you at, Jets? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to them a little later. Okay, let's move on to um, probably, I won't say another shocking, but another head coach switch that has worked out. The Falcons hold on to a lead and beat the Vikings. Kirk Cousins fell back down to... I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on with this guy. It's like one week he looks like a solid quarterback, and the next week he looks like Nathan Peterman. Yeah. I don't understand. He's had multiple games with two or three picks, no touchdowns. I mean, they're awful right now. He even said it himself that if he keeps this pace up, he won't finish the year as their quarterback. So yeah, uh, is this more on the Falcons' new coach or Kirk Cousins? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, when there's a new, uh, you know, a coaching change, it always one it brings uh, a different scheme. To you know, it's it's the same scheme, but it brings it brings the unexpected. Um, even though you have the same players, you have the same scheme essentially. Um, it brings the unexpected, uh, and with that, it brings energy. So we saw that with the Falcons; they did some unexpected things. They had an energy to them, um, and they played a they played a good they played a good game. They played a great game, honestly. Um, and then the other part of that is the Vikings just kind of had a down game. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I think he threw three touchdowns, but he did throw three interceptions. He made some mistakes. He made some good plays. He made some bad plays. Um, I think it's a combination of the both. I think. You know the Vikings caught the Falcons on a on a good week, and the uh, the Falcons caught a Viking. You know, caught the Vikings on a down week. So, um, just a little bit of a combination of both. But I, I agree with you, Kirk Cousins. I mean, it, it's been like this since he was at Washington. It's you know some of these weeks he you know looks like a Pro Bowl you know quarterback, and other weeks you're going, how does this guy still get work? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I tell you what, if things keep up this way, I think him and. Mike Zimmer will be looking for work. <laughs> I mean, yep. th- this Vikings team is a team that came in with a lot of expectations. Yeah. Uh, they got rid of Diggs, and everyone was talking about how they might even be better because now they have a true number one. They have, none of that's true. Yep. They're terrible. Their defense is bad. I mean, allowing 40 points in this game. Uh, I had high hopes. I drafted the Vikings defense in fantasy, and they're just garbage. I don't know what happened to this team, but they have fallen off the radar. Yep. Speaking of off the radar, the Browns got drop kicked back to reality when they were uh, what four and one. Then they yep. went into the Steelers and thirty eight to seven beat down. Baker Mayfield gets banged up, ends up getting benched. Uh, yikes! Thirty eight seven. What did you think? I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, it's the Steelers versus the Browns. I mean, you look at who the Browns have beat; they haven't really actually beat anyone. Um. I, I'm not counting that Cowboys win as a win. We'll discuss more of that later. But, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, it, the Steelers have played great football this year, and um, the defenses looked phenomenal. The pass rushes looked phenomenal. Uh, pass coverage has been great. You saw the Minka Fitzpatrick pick six early in the game. 
you know, Roethlisberger didn't really play a big game, uh, but he made some big plays. James Conner, 100 yards. Chase Claypool, the rookie uh, wide receiver coming off, what was it, like three or four touchdowns last week? Yep. Um, he had another big game this week. I mean, he's looking insane at the moment. Uh, I mean, they're just the, the Steelers are are a buzzsaw, and unfortunately, the Browns stepped right in right in the way of it. And and uh, you know, we've talked about the Brown. You know, Stefanski's done a great job of protecting Baker from Baker, and uh, this week they weren't able to do that, and we kind of saw the results. So, uh, great game by the Steelers, shit game by the Browns. Absolutely, and it's. You know, it's kind of funny listening to Baker Mayfield's quotes. He said, I don't think four and twos ever felt more like oh and six in my life. <laughs> I mean, when you have a game like this, yeah. where they had all these high expectations and they run into that buzzsaw, the fact that they're four and two, which is a great record, especially for the Browns, it feels yeah. like they're oh and six to these guys because they got absolutely beat. Yeah, I mean it it's it's one of the they just had every weakness that they have was just exposed. And so all that goodwill that they had built up over the last month. I mean, was erased in a matter of really a quarter um, or maybe maybe a half. But uh, I mean, the 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 Steelers, I mean, they just whooped them um, from the get go. And and so all that, like I said, all that goodwill and all that hype that they had built up, you know, we're talking about that was erased in less than half an hour uh, of actual game time. So um, got to be crushing, I'm sure. Absolutely. Right, let's take a look at this team here, and you predicted them doing well. It's the Bears. They beat the Panthers to move to five and one on the season. And I heard a, a hilarious one. I don't know. I think it might have been Shannon Sharp. He said this team has. It's insane because they have the best chance at double digit wins. Yep. With zero chance of winning a Super Bowl. Do you agree with that? Um. I, the zero chance to win a Super Bowl. Yes, double digit wins. No. Um. I don't really see them. Winning, I mean, against good at like really good teams, I don't see him winning double digit games. Um, but I also don't see him winning the Super Bowl because I mean, they are winning, they're five and one. I did pick them to win the division, I'm glad that they're doing well. Um, but there is still a lot of a lot of holes. I mean, this team kind of reminds me of that what was it, 2006 Bears team that went to the Super Bowl? Um, with sexy, Rex, Rexy. yeah, yeah, uh, with Rex Grossman, yeah. And I mean, where the defense was phenomenal and, and this defense isn't quite on that level. And this offense is actually better, I think, than the than the 06 offense. So, you know, the defense a little worse offense, a little better than that 06 team. Um, but they they have that that feeling where you're just waiting for something, you know, at any moment that offense could, you know, could slip up and, and they're done um, at the same time, the defense as well as they've played, they've shown that they can be vulnerable at times. Um, and they're not the elite defense they were a couple years ago. They're a really good defense, but they're not the elite defense. So, I mean, they're 5-1, and one, but I, I I still don't have huge confidence in them at this point. I mean, I have confidence. I think that they're a playoff team. I think that they could win a playoff game. I just don't think that they're a Super Bowl team at this point. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with uh, whoever said that quote because they're already halfway to 10 games, so double digits isn't too far off. But when I'm looking at their schedule and what they've done, they could easily be 3-3 three and because three DeAndre Swift drops that pass. They beat the Bears if they catch it. Um, if the Falcons don't have Dan Quinn, they probably hold off the Bears from that furious comeback. Um, they're really close in a lot of these games, and we've said it year, year long, year, a win's a win. And they are five and one, 
but I just don't know when they go up against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, can they keep up? Yeah. Um, but then you get those games where you think that, and then they come in there and they just beat the crap out of the Bucks, and then we saw what the Bucks did to the Packers this week. So yep. um, it's they're still like – they're probably my biggest question mark, the biggest enigma this year. I just don't know what to make of this team, but I do kind of agree – when I'm looking at NFC contenders, I don't even have the Bears on my list, but they're here. They are. I mean, they're tied for one of the best records in the NFL. So, yep. Um, I think of the Bucks. I think of the Packers. You think of the Seahawks. Yep. Don't think of <laughs> the Bears, but here they are. So, um, it's going to be interesting. Yep, for sure. Let's take a look at the Broncos and the Patriots game. Broncos win with six field goals, no touchdowns. Six field goals beat the Patriots coming off of their COVID bye. Um, I mean, Cam Newton looked awful. It's hard. It's hard to tell exactly what happened because I mean, Cam Newton had COVID he's recovering from it. They only had one practice the last two weeks and the Broncos drew lock. Didn't have a good game. A couple picks, yeah. no touchdowns, drove it down the field, but the, the kicker got it done. What'd you think of this one? I mean, the first thing that pops into my my mind, and you'll hate this, but is you know, it's that, you're going with this that that that, <laughs> that Steelers playoff win against the Chiefs, yeah. uh, however many years ago that was, six field goals, man. Uh, Patriots defense played actually played pretty decent. Uh, I mean, they gave they allowed them to score six times, but it was only eighteen points. You know, all the offense had to do was score, you know, a few touchdowns. That's it. You know, just put up twenty points and they win. Uh, yeah. But. I mean, you can't blame them. I think we all had probably higher expectations than we should have because of how the uh, how the Titans played coming off their COVID uh, shutdown restrictions, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is, you know, like you said, they only had one practice in the last couple of weeks. Um, They're missing several players. They have some key injuries. So um, I, I in no way do I think the Patriots are a two and three team. Um, I mean, this is kind of the flip side of the bears, you know, where the bears are five and one and, and I do have confidence in them. Um, but I don't consider them a, a contender where on the flip side, you know, the Patriots are two and three, and I'm not saying I consider them a contender at this point, but they're two and three, but I could all honestly see them winning six or seven games in a row and being, you know, right back in that eight and three or, you know, nine and three range, uh, without, too big of an issue honestly so uh, I mean they're a two and three team but I, I I don't think their talent and their their skill reflects uh, that record yeah what's so here's what's crazy to me I saw the stat this is the first time they've been below 500 after week five since 2002 that's 18 years um, yeah. and, and you think about it now they're third in the division they're behind the Dolphins so um, it goes Bills Dolphins Patriots when's the last time that's ever happened Who's the fourth team in that division? Uh, I don't even know. It's probably not even a team. Some high school team or something. Yeah. Take take note, New York. You take know what? Let's just, get, let's just get forward here because that's the next game on our list. How in the hell is Adam Gase still the head coach? 24 to nothing against the Dolphins. First time the Dolphins have shut anybody out in what seems like forever. Yep. Uh, to the point where Tua got to play and really, I guess, caused Ryan Fitzpatrick to get benched. What do you think of this guy? I don't even know how he has that job. I mean, I I love this game honestly. Number one, because um, I mean, it, not knowing this was Ryan Fitzpatrick's last game as the the starter, at, at least at this point, like I said, barring injury. Um, but I mean, Fitzpatrick played amazing. I mean, 191 yards, three touchdowns. 
um, good completion percentage. Miles Gaskin played well for the Dolphins. The Dolphins defense played lights out. Uh, and the best part of it is they did it against their former head coach, um, who they all basically, you know, or who the remaining players on that team um, basically boycotted against. So, uh, I mean, not only did Adam Gase get whooped, he got whooped by his former team that boycotted him and got him out of there. Uh, but I'm with you. It's, you know, how the hell does this guy have a job? Uh, Dan, Dan Quinn, you know, I'll, I've said my, my piece about Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn in the Falcons. I never thought Dan Quinn was a bad coach. I just thought there needed to be a change of scenery essentially, um, for both. I think, you know, if Dan Quinn goes to, to the Cowboys or the chiefs as a coordinator or position coach, I'd be thrilled. Uh, but he just needed to change the scenery. The Falcons needed a fresh start. Adam Gates, Adam Gates just isn't good. Um, like he he wasn't good in Miami. He's he's been terrible in in New York. Um, he's just not good, and and I don't I don't understand how he's got a job. And not you know I I hate saying that I want to see people get fired, but um, he just he should not be a head coach. I don't I I don't get it. <laughs> so, so I'll tell you a couple of things that I found interesting about Adam Gase, and this doesn't have much to do with the game, but if you look at the players that Adam Gase has jettisoned away. They have excellent careers after Adam Gase. Look at Ryan Tannehill. Yep. Look at Jay Ajayi. Look at a lot of these guys that leave have great careers, which is, makes me hopeful for Le'Veon Bell, um, especially because the Chiefs get the Broncos this week and then they get the Jets. So yep. uh, Le'Veon Bell's got a chance to punish him. Makes me hopeful I for, for uh, Sam Darnold as well, if he can get exactly. away from Adam Gase. Because <laughs> what I don't get is Bill O'Brien – he, I won't say he did the same thing. He made some questionable trades, but he at least got something back from it. The Jets are literally just getting rid of their players, and you know they're not really gaining much from it. They're just yeah. no one wants to play for this guy. And I did hear rumblings today for the first time that that Trevor Lawrence is concerned. <laughs> he doesn't want to play for Adam Gase and the Jets. Yeah. And I can you blame him? I mean, yeah. uh, I think this might be the first time we see the John Elway Eli Manning thing where. I can't – we're talking about this This kid's one of the most hyped up since, like, Andrew Luck. I mean, everyone's loving what Trevor Lawrence is doing. Yep. Why in the hell would you want to go play for Adam Gase, who not only can't coach a football game, but he can't even keep his team together? Yeah. I would definitely – I mean, go back to Clemson. Whatever you have to do, do not join the Jets unless Adam Gase is fired. Yeah, if mean, they fire Adam Gase today yep. and say they hire Eric Bieniemy or something – Yep. At the end of the season? Absolutely. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm coming out. Yep. But I'm not going if Adam Gase is there because I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel at all for this guy. No. And, well, and uh, who was it? I think it was Roddy White, the old Falcons receiver, uh, was saying on a podcast, I think it was on a podcast the other day, um, basically telling Trevor Lawrence, hey, if the Jets have the number one pick and Adam Gase is still their head coach, Go back to Clemson. Do not play for that man. Absolutely. Because um, look, I mean, Sam Darnold, you know, he was the presumptive number one pick, you know, a couple years ago, and he ended up sliding to third. But, it, you know, look what's happened to him. I mean, he's done nothing uh, and, and and not too much fault of his own, honestly. Uh, I, I mean, how do you how do you play in that offense when they give you no receivers? They give you no running backs. You have no offensive line. Uh, and your coach is just an idiot. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, if Adam Gase is still there, stay at Clemson for sure. 
<laughs> it's bad news when their best wide receiver was Quincy Anunwa from Nebraska, and then they got rid of him even. Yep. To where their number one receiver right now is like a fourth receiver on any other team. And then your one star player you have on offense besides your QB, you just cut him. And not only do you just cut him, but now they're paying him to play on the Chiefs. Yep. So they not only didn't get anything, but they actually are paying for their competition to have the player. So, you know, I I, I have a theory, and I kind of feel like Gase and the GM both know they're probably done. Like they're they're just they're they're <laughs> they're done. And so I think their idea is let's just put the team in it as bad a situation as we possibly can. That way when the new guys come in, they can't possibly fix it immediately. So it, it makes it you know, now we can fire back and say, Well, hey, these guys did a bad job too. So it's not all us. Ha ha. I think that's what they're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's going to be an interesting offseason. I don't know what in the world is going to happen with Jet fans if they don't fire this guy, but yeah, I can't I, imagine that they don't. With, with, with that, the state of that team, they're three years minimum. If everything goes right, they are three years minimum from being a competitive football team. I mean, you're looking at the next – two to three years of being less than six wins more than likely. And if they squeeze out more than six wins, it's because they got some fluke ass wins. And that's if they get rid of Gase. And that's if they, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> if they keep Gase. They may not win another game. Well, in the I next say, you're talking, yeah, that's best case. I mean, that's best case. Cause they, I mean, they have no offense. They have no defense. Uh, I mean, you're talking about if they if they hit the perfect salary cap or the perfect uh, free agent signings, the perfect draft picks, everything glues together, you know, you know, meshes together for the next couple years. You know, maybe in three years they could be a, a playoff contender if everything goes perfect. And that's not how it should be. It, it should be, you know, I. We'll, we'll touch again on this in a little bit, but it's like the Cowboys. The Cowboys are struggling this year, but I'm also looking at it going, look at all their injuries, though. And they just need little tweaks here and there. You know, if they were if they were healthier, I feel like they'd be a little bit better. And then it's just a few tweaks here and there. The the Jets, you just look at it and go, oh, my God, I I don't want this team. Like, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't want them on Madden because what are you even going to trade uh, you know, I, I could do it on Madden. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm that good, but, uh, it, it'd be more of a headache than anything. So, uh, I just want to say I did that on Madden, Madden yeah. 21. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and can you, can you reiterate our, our, uh, review of Madden 21 for everyone real fast? Yeah. So our old review was fuck EA. And yeah. after I've, so after that, I bought the game. So I felt it was a little unfair. Um, it's confirmed. It's yep. confirmed. It's the exact same game as 2020. Yep. And, uh, you know, not to get too off topic here, but there's literally nothing new. I mean, the, the face of the franchise has some new story mode, which is kind of entertaining for a little bit, but franchise mode untouched. The only thing that the, the main reason I bought it is I'm a stickler for realism and I wanted the new stadiums and I wanted the Las Vegas Raiders and, yep. uh, yeah, it's basically I paid paid full price for a roster update. Yep, uh, that's a that's a dipshit move. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I regret that decision immediately. Yep, but no, like you're saying, you don't want to use them on Madden. Can you imagine? So let's just look at. I think the hottest coaching candidate this year is gonna be Eric Bieniemy. He was big last year. People are gonna want him. Um, I wouldn't want to go to the Jets fire him. If you're looking at the Texans, you can work with Deshaun Watson. 
Yep. You can go to the Falcons, work with Matt Ryan and all those stud receivers. Why in the world would any head coach want to go to the Jets? Yeah. They're I not going to get the best candidate. They're going to get, you know, the college coach probably come up. Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I would not. I would not personally want to go to the Jets. Uh, I mean, the the Texans have their issues. Um, they don't really have a lot of high draft picks coming up over the next few years. Um, and their salary cap is a little questionable. They can release a few guys like J.J. Watt um, and create some space, but then you also have to make up for that talent. So the Texans aren't a perfect spot. Uh, the Falcons, you have Matt Ryan, who's 35, 36 years old, so he's actually getting up there in age a little bit. Um, that honestly probably be the best spot of the three that we know of right now. Um, but the jets, I mean, there's just nothing redeeming about them. There's, there's, you've got nothing to look forward to. You've got Sam Darnold potentially, but only if you can bring in some legitimate weapons around him. Um, again, it was kind of one of those green Bay Packers situations where you had the best wide receiver draft I've ever seen. And yet they didn't really add anyone around Sam Darnold, you know, you could have got first round talent at receiver in the third or fourth round. Um, so it, it was crazy. There's just, there's nothing there to look forward to. If I'm Eric B or some of these other guys, some of these other coordinators, I would, I would not be going anywhere near that job. I will say one of the good things about the jets over the Falcons or the Texans really is the salary cap. Yeah. Uh, the jets don't have any problems with the salary cap because they don't have any players. Yeah. They don't have any players worth anything. Uh, one of the most expensive players is Le'Veon Bell at $6 million, and he's gone after this year. So, yeah, But, I mean, who's- I, I did do a franchise at the Falcons, and they are going to be in salary cap trouble in the next couple of years. So. Yeah. I mean, who who wants to go to the Jets not knowing what you're walking into, though? Right. You know? I think that's where you're going to have to have one hell of a coach hire. Yeah. I mean, if you hired a veteran coach from somewhere yep. that that people want to play for, they have the checkbook to open it up in the salary cap where they can sign free agents and just go on a free agent frenzy. Yeah. You know, build that offensive line. If the guy comes in and drafts some wide receivers, like they might have a shot at being okay. Yeah. And I'm going to say that like the Bengals this year, like you're not going to go from as bad as the Jets are now to a playoff team anytime soon because they're so far down, but yeah. it's going to take a splash hire. If you hire some guy like Matt rule from college, like the Panthers did that no one really even knows of, yep. you're not going to get the free agents and then it's going to be hard to win. So you're going to be in that position where you're essentially Cleveland Brown style drafting in the top five every year for the next 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, for me personally, it wouldn't be just Adam Gase. It would have to be their, their GM. Um, what all, I mean, they basically have to clean house and, you know, show me that they're making an effort and show me that the issues that have been there for the last couple of years are gone. And I'm not walking into that situation for me to even consider signing with them. And that's if I'm a, you know, a mid-level to high-level free agent. Um, obviously, not everyone's a top-tier free agent, but you got to have those mid-level guys. And I'm thinking that as a mid-level guy, too. It's you know, I've only got so much time in my career. I don't want to go waste it playing for a, a joke of a franchise like the Jets. So, um, I mean, they like you said, they've got to make a splash hire uh, at, at coach, but they also need to do that at GM. Absolutely. And to me, they have to be living on borrowed time. I know we say this every week. Like This could be the week. This could be the week that they're fired, but. I feel like this could be the week. I think they're living on borrowed time. How many more times can they get destroyed like this before they're done? 
I mean, Dan Dan Quinn made it a couple of years, so we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> All right, let's move on to getting destroyed. Uh, the Buccaneers just absolutely dismantled the Packers. Aaron Rodgers threw two picks in the game and just looked pedestrian. And we're talking about a guy that we had in the MVP race up until this point. But 38-10, to 10, they lose. What do you think? You know, the crazy part about this is, is the, the Packers were actually up 10 nothing after the first quarter. Um, and then the Buccaneers exploded. I think it was 28 points in the second quarter. Uh, and you, and you look at the stats, it's the stats aren't even like super crazy for the, the Buccaneers, you know, Tom Brady only threw for 166 yards and two touchdowns and Ronald Jones had a good game, 113 yards and two touchdowns, but that's not like a, a Derrick Henry 212 yard game, you know? Um, so it's like, they didn't even really statistically have a great game but man they dominated this game after the first quarter um that Buccaneers defense we've been really high on they you know they frustrated Aaron Rodgers and Dominic and Sue and Aaron Rodgers seem to be getting into a little you know confrontation with each other that apparently dates way back but um I mean they looked inside of Rodgers head they roughed him up they beat him up uh beat the Packers up I mean they they look dominant in every aspect of this game um after the first quarter really like I said the Packers did jump up at them early, but that makes this win even that much more impressive is, um, I mean, despite being down 10, nothing, they still won by 28 points. So, uh, just a a dominant win. And it, it really reestablishes, you know, the Buccaneers, everyone kind of panics the two games they've lost this year. Everyone's kind of panicked over it. And what have the Buccaneers done? They've come out and just dominated afterwards. So, uh, and they just dominated what I thought, you know, what I think is a legitimate Super Bowl contender in the Packers. So, uh, great win by them and just a shit game by the Packers. And I will say, first and foremost, the best uh, thing that the Packers did was Aaron Rodgers' Hingle McCringleberry end zone dance, the three hip thrust. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that was some epic stuff. Um, after that, nothing. I mean, they yeah. went downhill. And, and, you know, at that point, they're up 10 nothing. A pick six happens and uh, it just falls apart. But the thing that stands out to me about the Bucks, and everyone talks about Brady and Gronk and Bruce Arians' offensive mind, this team is where they're at because of their defense. And it reminds me a lot of the 2015 Broncos. Yeah. Uh, they got the legend quarterback. He's not quite what he used to be, but his defense is so good, he doesn't have to be. Yeah, And, and that's what it reminds me of. And don't get me wrong, 2015 Peyton Manning, way worse than 2020 Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, but Levante David in this defense is unreal right now. They are absolutely lighting it up. And, and, uh, I think the defense alone makes them a contender and, uh, especially in the division they're in the way everyone's playing. I think this is easily their division. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. All right. We'll touch quickly on this, an up and down team. I don't know what's going on with this team, but the 49ers beat the Rams, um, we're talking about a team that benched Jimmy Garoppolo last week, got blown out. Then they've lost to the Cardinals this year, and then they beat the Rams, who are a good team. Where do you think these guys are? These guys contenders for even their division? I don't think they're contenders for the division just because of how tough the division is. I mean, you you still they still have to get ahead of the Rams. They did just beat them, but they're still a game behind the Rams, and they have to play them again. Uh, and then you have the Seahawks there, uh, and then you have the the Cardinals. The Cardinals are I think four and two now. Uh, and the Cardinals look stout. They look good. Um, again, we'll discuss more on that later. Um, <laughs> they're not that good. They're overrated yeah, a little bit. <laughs> the comp- competition isn't that hard. Yeah, I mean, look at who they're playing. <laughs> this last game was a sham. It's a bunch of backups are playing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, 
I, I think they're for what they're dealing with with some of those injuries that they've had. I feel like they're they're a good team, and I think they're going to hover around the playoffs. Uh, I don't quite know that they'll get into the playoffs, but I th- they're going to be in that in contention for the playoffs. I just they're like you said, they're so up and down. One week, you know, they beat the Rams, and then you know the week before they get dominated, and Garoppolo gets benched. So. Um, they still have a lot of holes, still have a lot of issues, obviously, but I think they're they're a good enough team to hover around playoff contention. Um, if they were in the NFC East, they'd, they probably already would have had the division locked up. <laughs> and here's one of the things that sucks about, honestly, this division and, and possibly the North. When you're looking at it, there's going to be a team, and, and I actually saw the stats on this, looking at the schedule, there's a really good chance that the NFC East winner isn't a 500 team. Yep. It could be the Eagles at what is it? Six, nine or yeah, six, nine and one. Uh, it's not, or, gonna, it's not going to be the Eagles. Yeah. We'll see about that. Anyway, um, there's a good chance that the team's going to host a playoff game and not even be above 500 at all. Yep. And then you're going to have either the North or this, you know, the West where you're going to have probably a couple double digit win teams. And one of them is not going to make the playoffs. Yep. And that's kind of sad. It it is, but at the at the same time, um, I'm guaranteeing right now it won't be the trash birds. I'm Ooh, I'm not I like that guarantee. I'm not biased or anything. But, <laughs> okay, uh, but fuck the Eagles. Yeah, it's gonna be the Giants. Uh, <laughs> the the Ravens a much more classy bird anyway. So yeah, okay. All right, Chiefs first of the Monday night doubleheader well i say monday night monday afternoon doubleheader whatever it is um they come in there it's a hyped up bills team 26 to 17 and honestly the score doesn't do it justice the chiefs dominated every minute of this game yeah running the football right up the middle averaging seven yards a carry clyde edwards alaire at 161 rushing yards pat mahomes you know it's one of those he had a down game well he still almost had 300 yards and two touchdowns passing but the thing to me is, and this is why I like the fact that they run the football, Mahomes still made those plays that are patented Mahomes plays. He had a third down play where he throws a no-look pass to to Byron Pringle for a big first down to, to keep the drive alive. And then the other play that I really liked from him was he scrambled out left, almost ran out of bounds, did a complete spin around circle, then dove through four guys to get close to a first down. They ended up marking a little short, but yep. um, he still made the magnificent plays that Mahomes makes. And they dismantled uh, what we all thought was a contender here. They made Josh Allen go from potential MVP candidate to not even in the conversation in one game. Yeah. I mean, so here's here's my take on it. One, uh, the Chiefs played a great game. They ran the ball well. Um, I loved how Mahomes played. He didn't put up the yardage and the touchdowns that people want him to put up, but he was much more efficient. Uh, he was 21 and 26. Uh, like you said, he still made some really great plays. Uh, He missed a couple throws early. I think part of that was just adjusting to the wet ball. Um, But, I mean, he he played an efficient game. The Chiefs' offense was efficient. Uh, They controlled the clock. Uh, We talked about this last week. They they kept their defense off the field. It allowed them to stay fresh uh, and moving around out there. Uh, And then kind of the big thing is they just frustrated the Bills team. We saw, what was it, the third quarter or maybe early fourth quarter, the Bills had a couple, you know, just bad penalties, honestly. Uh, I mean, you could tell that the Chiefs were inside their head. They were frustrating him. Uh, Josh Allen, he he had a bad game, 
honestly. But, I mean, he made some bad throws, but he also wasn't helped by his receivers. His receivers dropped at least three or four plays or passes that would have been big plays, uh, including a couple touchdowns. Um, so he wasn't really helped by his wide receivers, but he also did miss some you know, miss some easy throws that would have been big plays in the, on their own. So, uh, I mean, the Bills just looked out of sync. They didn't look comfortable. Um, they're the Northeast team playing in, in that Northeast weather, but they looked, you know, they looked much more uh, uncomfortable in that weather than the Chiefs did. Uh, now, granted, the weather was roughly the same in Kansas City that day. It was still about high 40s and kind of muggy, or not muggy, but dreary. Uh, in Kansas City that day as well. So either way they would have played, it would have been about the same weather, honestly. But, uh, but I mean, the, the the Bills just looked out of sync. They looked frustrated. They looked like they weren't ready for this game. Uh, the Chiefs came in. We've talked about it before. When everyone hypes up a game and hypes up another team going against the Chiefs, that's when the Chiefs play their best. It almost pisses them off. Uh, in this game, they played. They were just efficient. They were hard-nosed. Um, the offensive line looked great. I can't think of the guy's name, but the guy that they moved to center, um, after Mitchell Schwartz got hurt, uh, and they kind of shuffled around the line. I can't think of the center's name right now. Um, uh, but that guy was just an absolute monster. I mean, he, he was a a beast. Uh, if he plays like that every game, I mean, you're talking about a pro bowl potentially all pro style center. Cause that guy was just manhandling the bills. Uh, so, I mean, it was just a, a great game by the chiefs shit game by the bills. I think the Bills are going to be fine. They're going to recover, uh, and they're going to win some more games. They're going to be a playoff team, I believe, and Josh Allen's going to improve. So. <laughs> I will say they will bounce back because this week they get the always fierce Jets. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> so Josh Allen will quickly be back in the MVP discussion after this week. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, like to me, when you're playing the Chiefs, especially now, Andy Reid and Mahomes, really, they don't make mistakes twice. The mistake last week was they were dropping six, seven back in coverage, and the Chiefs kept passing on it um, and in turn didn't control the clock. They ended up having, I think, what was it, negative 11 minutes or something or eight minutes, nine minutes of yeah. of time. This week they come in, same defense happening. They're dropping six or seven back. The offensive line's playing pissed off because they didn't do well last week, and they dominated the game on the ground and 11 minutes plus is what they had this time in, in time of possession, which uh, when you have a candidate for MVP, like Josh Allen, we were talking about, and you don't give him the ball for an additional 11 minutes. Yep. That's huge. Yep. I mean, he can't, there's nothing he can do. He can't get in a rhythm. He can't throw it down the field. You're forcing him to make those deep bombs, which um, I kind of joked about that last week too. He may have as strong as arms Mahomes, but at the end of the day, Mahomes' 80-yard bomb will be on the spot. Yeah. Josh Allen's 80-yard bomb will be 10 yards in front of the receivers. So uh, he had a lot of overthrows, and he just kind of looked shaky. And Troy Aikman kind of said it the best. He has a great arm, but he's not a great passer. Yeah. You know, he's got that arm talent. He's a thrower, not a passer. A, exactly. He can he can launch the ball. He can throw it. He doesn't have the touch. He doesn't have the accuracy. Yeah. I still like Josh Allen. I think he's going to be good in this league. He's still young. He's got some time to work things out, and 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 these teams they got to realize too. I mean, this is Super Bowl champs. There's no shame in going in there and losing to them. I mean, yeah, they've lost two games now, and it's to both the teams that were in the AFC Championship game last year. So, yeah. I mean, uh, it, yeah, they'll recover. Yeah, as I say, you look at it, it's like the 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 Chiefs played a great game, and the Bills played 
about as bad as you could play. And they still only lost by nine points. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were still kind of in contention almost. Um, you know, their their what their kicker missed one field goal, right? So, I mean, if yeah. you if you give them that field goal, then they have a potential to to win the game at the end. Um, now, granted, Harrison Bucker also missed an extra point, but uh, I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, I think it's like four on the season so far. That you can missed. drill three 58 yard field goals in a row to ice a game later earlier in the season. Now he can't make a freaking extra point. Okay, let's, let's not hype him up. It was a 53 yarder and then two 58 yarders. Okay, let's not. Yeah, geez. yeah don't don't overhype that son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 played a like I said, really as bad as they could have played, and they still only lost by nine to the defending Super Bowl champ. So again, this is one. A few plays here and there, just a few. I mean, Josh Allen missed a few throws, and then the receivers dropped a few yeah. passes, and and you give them those plays back, uh, and you're talking about a completely different game. So um, a few things, a few tweaks here and there, uh, and they're going to be fine. Yep. All right, speaking of overhyped, the Cowboys. Kyler like Murray. You like how I did that there. Yeah, Kyler the Murray. Cowboys, <laughs> we talked last week about how Andy Dalton has the potential to make the team – I don't want to say make the team better, but make the make it a little easier on the defense because yeah. he can run the football and stuff. Uh, but the one thing we also said couldn't happen was turnovers, and uh, Ezekiel Elliott had two of them. Yep. And here is what he had to say after the game. Um, honestly, I, I don't think it really was much of what they did. Uh, I think it was me. Um, me – I'm supposed to be a guy this team can rely on. I'm supposed to be a guy that this team can can lean on when times get rough. And and I just wasn't that today. Um, I got us started off to a terrible start. Defense were playing; they were playing well. Um, but uh, I killed our momentum. Two fumbles. Uh, I can't do that. I can't. Yeah. So, and this is what we've been saying all year. Even when Dak was there, between him and Dak, fumbles like crazy early in the game, and they get down. Well. The one thing you're probably not going to get with Andy Dalton is a comeback. So, um, what did you think? Thirty-eight to ten. Uh, carrying over from the Bills game, uh, what I just said about a few plays. Um, I rewatched the game, and, and I can tell you, it's five plays. Five plays cost the Cowboys this game. Uh, the two Zeke fumbles, uh, the two Andy Dalton interceptions, which one of one of them should have been pass interference. Um, when Dre Kirkpatrick straight up tackled CD lamb to the ground um, and then intercepted the ball. Um, so those two interceptions and then the Michael Gallup drop in the end zone that went from a touchdown to a field goal. You know what those five plays led to 28 points, those five plays. Uh, and, and like Zeke said in that, in that little clip right there, the defense was playing great up until he started fumbling. The defense had shut out the the uh, Cardinals. They had forced three straight punts. I think they'd only given up one first down. The defense was playing lights out. And then you gave the ball back in a bad position to the Cardinals. They scored the touchdown. They turn around, do it immediately again. They score another touchdown. By that point, now that you're down 14 nothing, the defense has been on the field a lot. They're gassed. Arizona bombs it deep for the 80-yard touchdown to Christian Kirk. Now you're down 21 nothing. You still have a shot. You drive it down, hit Michael Gallup wide open, and a guy that's usually pretty sure-handed um, just dropped the ball. I mean, it it literally just bounced right off his hands um, and led to a – you know, and they got the ball back at halftime or after the half. So it's like if he catches that, 
They score a touchdown there. They get it back at half, score another touchdown. Now all of a sudden it's 21 14. Um, so, I mean, you're literally talking about five plays, which led to 28 points, and they lost by 28 points. Um, you know, people were freaking out about Andy Dalton saying he didn't look that great, which, you know, he didn't look great, but I also don't think he looked bad. I thought he was forced into a bad spot. Um, but I mean, the defense, honestly, I was happy with the defense. I don't mind how the defense, you know, they only gave up nine completions to Kyler Murray. Um, they played pretty well. Um, the, the rush defense played pretty well up until the end when Kenyon Drake had that big play at the very end of the game, um, for the touchdown. Um, but I, I thought they played the, the defense. Honestly, I thought looked good. Um, the, the offense at times I thought looked good. They just, you know, few bad plays here and there, but I mean, you can't, like you said, you can't force Andy Dalton to, you can't be down by 21 points and expect Andy Dalton to lead you back like that. He's just not that type of quarterback. He's the guy you want to get a, a seven to 10 point lead for, and then he's going to, he's going to carry you the rest of the way and, and hold on to the win. So that's what you need to do with Andy Dalton. You can't be down by 21 and expect him to come back. So I'll say this too. I, I feel like I don't want to say this team resembles the Falcons at all, but to me, when I see something like these fumbles happen, it looks like all of the morale just gets sucked out of the team and then yeah. the defense. I mean, to the point where that Kenyon Drake touchdown, all they're trying to do is run the clock out. They're not even trying to score, and yeah. they run through a wide-open hole for a huge touchdown. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say that they're necessarily quitting, but these turnovers are so big because, I mean, you're talking at that point four turnovers, the defense is done. They're just like, what can we do? Every time we make a stop, you just give it right back to them. Yeah. Uh, four turnovers cannot happen, and it, we've talked about it all year. I mean, the Cowboys' defense on paper looks awful, but the offense has done nothing to help them whatsoever. Yeah. Um, even Widendack was there. I mean, they would fumble it away three, four times, and the, the teams would get up big, and then Dak would have to throw for 500 yards to get them back into the game. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to get that with Andy Dalton, but I think the biggest concern to me is how do you how do you fix this it's it's not just a one-time thing with Zeke I mean he's leading the NFL in fumbles this year yeah um what can he do to fix what's going on right now I mean I mean I I think he I mean the the two fumbles in a game I mean it's the first time he's ever done it in the NFL and he never did it at Ohio State so uh I don't I think we can count on that probably not happening again anytime soon um, but he needs to still, you know, he can't be fumbling once a game. I think part of it, he's just kind of got a case of the yips, uh, you know, which, which happens, you know, obviously to elite athletes at times. So, uh, I mean, they just need to coach him up and just reinstill in his mind, you know, uh, and his muscle memory of just protecting the ball. I mean, one of those fumbles, he almost pulled a LaShawn McCoy where, you know, he got the ball and then basically just stuck the ball out there. Um, he didn't even make it hard for him to, to try. I mean, uh, yeah. to to force that fumble. So I mean, it, I heard it's somebody else say it might be the sleeves he's wearing too, because he's wearing not like Under Armour tight sleeves. He's wearing like loose t shirt sleeves. Yeah, and when the ball's in there, it can slide around on his arm too. Why yeah. he's wearing those indoors, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like, get that to where the ball can get your skin and grab onto something. Yeah, it, it just seems uh, like a vanity thing. I don't know why he wouldn't at least try that. But yeah, obviously there were a couple, couple this year where he's hung that ball out there. Yeah. I mean that, yeah. And the sleeves could be an issue. I'd never even thought about that myself, honestly. Um, But I mean, I think it's just, it's, it's tightening some stuff up. I, again, when you look at the team, 
Um, obviously, they're they're kind of in a bad spot because of injuries. Zach Martin got knocked out early in the game, which uh, when you look at that, that left him literally with four backup offensive linemen, um, two of which were rookies. One of those rookies is an undrafted rookie. So uh, anytime you take the strength of, the, of a team and then literally take everyone but one guy away, um, <clears throat> you know, obviously that's going to be a, a bad spot. And it doesn't matter who your running back is or who your quarterback is. I mean, there's only so much you can do with that kind of, you know, stuff. But um so, I mean, they, the, the injuries are killing them, obviously, but the turnovers, you know, having a bad offensive line at the moment uh, isn't affecting Zeke being able to hold on to the ball, honestly. Uh, I mean, the good news is that they are starting to get healthy on defense. Like I said, the defense, you know, I was actually happy with how the defense played this last week. You know, I'm not expecting you know, to turn around and be a, you know, give up less than 15 points a game kind of defense, but Vander Esch was back. The defense looked like it had energy before I was kind of sucked out of them, like you said, but uh, Vander Esch is back. They got Jordan Lewis back. They got, uh, I think Anthony Brown back. Uh, Randy Gregory has been activated. He will be playing this week. Uh, I'm excited to see what, how he kind of works into the rotation. Um, they are saying that Sean Lee's making progression. They expect him back pretty soon. Uh, Chidobi Awuzie is coming back soon. So the defense is getting healthy, um, which is the big thing. Um, the offense just needs to, they don't, they don't have to put up 35 a game, just put up 24 a game and don't have, you know, any turnovers or limit it to one turnover a game or something. And I think you're going to have a shot, especially in this division where, uh, they should win the division because, uh, it definitely shouldn't be the Eagles. So I'll tell you this. I wanted to run this by you. I was watching Skip Bayless, who I hate, by the way, but he's a diehard Cowboys fan. Um, Skip, Bay- <laughs> Skip, Skip Bayless is the reason why other people hate us. That's probably true. But what he said, and it kind of made sense to me, is the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, honestly, are paying the wrong players. They're saying they paid Demarcus Lawrence. He's not done much this year at all. No. They paid Amari Cooper. He's not done much at all. Um, the guys they need to pay, Dak, they haven't paid. Are you happy with how they're doing that, or would you rather them pay guys like Dak and and get some better offensive linemen in there? Because obviously injuries play a huge part, but are you happy still with them signing Amari Cooper and DeMarcus Lawrence, these big deals? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got really no issue with it. I mean, Amari Cooper, I mean, he, he's got over 400 yards receiving this year so far. Um, he's had a couple hundred yard games. Um, I'd like to see him get, a, you know, some more touchdowns. But I mean, he's he's having a good season. If he keeps at the pace he's at, he's going to have, you know, likely over, you know, 80 catches and a thousand yards. Um, um, I would like to see him get more touchdowns. But when you have the receivers they have for one guy to get 80 catches and a thousand yards, I mean, that's I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, I mean, when they paid him that money, he he was playing at an elite level. So he, it's kind of like Chris Jones with with the Chiefs, where it's like now you can almost go back and say, should the Chiefs have paid Chris Jones that that type of money, seeing as he's kind of a liability against the run? Um, Until last week for whatever reason. But. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think they made the right call at the time. Obviously, you can look at it now and say, well, maybe they shouldn't have done that. But at the time, he deserved the money and and the offensive line. Uh, I mean, it's it's injuries. It's not the offensive line not performing. It's just they're they're just hurt. You know, they had they had Travis yeah. Frederick retire. Then uh, Lyle Collins hasn't played all season. He won't play this season. And then uh, Tyron Smith, um, who they signed several years ago, um, and who has actually restructured his contract, I think twice now, um, to help out with the salary cap. 
Um, I mean, he's he's just been out. Um, so I mean, it's it's not that they're not performing; it's that they're just not yeah. there. And um, I think he was more thinking like you know signing those guys and then letting a guy like Byron Jones leave. Yeah, uh, when you need help in the secondary so bad, and then and yeah. then your first draft pick comes up, and then you draft a wide receiver. Yeah, instead of corner help, kind of like the Chiefs, but um. And now with the defense looking as bad as they are, it's like you yeah. probably should have drafted a defense first. But uh, he obviously he's he's feeling what a lot of Cowboys fans are feeling, which is frustration. And yeah. and I still stand by if they can get rid of the turnovers, Andy Dalton should be able to easily win this division. Yeah, I I, um, I still they're still in first. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're I think they're a good team uh, despite the injuries. Like I said, I th- I think the defense is starting to get healthy. Um, if they can limit the turnovers, the defense again. Arizona's got a good offense, and the defense was shutting them down until basically until their morale was broken. Uh, I mean, the defense was just broken. Um, the morale of it was broken. Um, so I think, like you know, if they limit the turnovers, get healthy on the defensive end, they're not going to get healthy on offense because you know, like I said, two of their two of their offensive linemen just they're not coming back this year. Uh, Zach Martin should be back. He's just he's in concussion protocol, but he should be back. Uh, and then Joe Looney, who's their starting center, he should be back. Whether he gets his job back or not, I'm not sure, but he could help out at other positions as well. Um, so, I mean, that's about as healthy as they're going to get on offense, honestly. But if the defense gets healthy, I think the defense is an average defense when they're healthy. So when you're average – the offense just really needs to score 24, 25 points and just not turn the ball over. And in this division, that's going to be enough to get them into the playoffs. Yeah. All right, let's dive into our picks for this week real quick. Um, and we'll start with there's a lot of key divisional matchups this week. Um, I mean, tomorrow night, let's start with Giants-Eagles. It's not the most exciting game, but the winner is pretty much guaranteed a share of first place in the division. So, except for the Giants, I guess. Oh no, the Giants would be, wouldn't they? Yep. Well, wow. we'll get we'll get to that in a second. But yes, this division up for grabs. Who are you taking, Eagles, Giants? Uh, <laughs> what are you taking? A nap? <laughs> can I take a different channel? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Giants. I kind of like what they're doing. You know the the last the last uh, few weeks they've they've had a couple divisional games. Uh, they played the Cowboys pretty tough. Uh, they played the uh, the Redskins really tough and won and won the game. Uh, the Eagles are still struggling. Uh, I know they kind of had that comeback against the Ravens, but it still fell short. They're without Zach Ertz now for the next three or four weeks. Uh, Carson Wentz still, I mean, Carson Wentz honestly just looks bad. Um, he hasn't really looked good in the last couple of seasons, honestly. So uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the Giants on this one. I'm with you, and, I, and the reason being is honestly injuries. Like the yeah. Eagles are without their top three pass catchers, the receivers, the tight end, and they're without Miles Sanders, their running back. So yep. uh, they're hurting on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. I think Carson Wentz can try, but I I just don't think that they're going to have enough offensive firepower to beat the Giants. So I got the Giants winning this one. All right. How about Panther Saints? Who do you got? I'm going Saints. Uh, coming off the bye week, they're going to have Michael Thomas back. They've got the the number one fantasy running back with Alvin Kamara. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders has really kind of turned it up the last couple weeks. Uh, you know, we talked about his struggles uh, early in the season being that number two option, but um, I mean, he's really kind of turned it on the last couple games for the Saints. And now you got Michael Thomas coming back, who's going to take a little pressure off of him. 
uh, potentially open up some more targets for him. So uh, I, I like what the Saints are doing. Uh, I, I think they take this one. Yeah, I'm going Saints, and I've I've said it all year. Without Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey, I always say his name wrong. Christian McCaffrey, uh, I think the Panthers struggle. I don't like Matt Rule so far until he proves me wrong. A couple of their wins have been kind of fluky, so I'm going Saints. They're still, I think they're one of those teams down the second half that can make a push in the playoffs. All right, I, I just got to ask one thing: Did Matt Rule like shun Nebraska in some way? Because you've you've really hated him all season. No, it, to me, it's how does a guy who's mediocre at Baylor get an NFL head coaching job? Like how did, how does that happen? It's not even like he's a national championship coach. Yeah, he's like he's. I mean, at least Cliff Kingsbury had like a crazy good offense. Yeah, I don't know what Matt Rule do to get a job. Kings Kingsbury's Kingsbury was the sexy pick, both on the field and off the field. Look at the man. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Costing <laughs> right looking sons of bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, it does kind of make me mad when guys like Eric Bieniemy are out there. Uh, and and we've had this long conversation too. I don't think it's racially driven, anything like that. I think people are a little bit concerned that he's not a play caller. Yeah. But he does have – he's in the ear of the offensive genius of Andy Reid. Yeah. So I think he's going to get the shot this year. But to me, how he didn't get a job, but guys like Kevin Stefanski and Matt Rule got jobs upset me. And and to me, how the Panthers go from Ron Rivera, who is a you know respected coach, to grabbing – uh, middle of the road Big Twelve coach to insert there to me it's just mind blowing and and okay. and not that it's anything really personal against Matt Rule it's just I don't understand that hire at all yeah yeah I, I get that but fuck your Big Twelve comment by the way <laughs> <laughs> all right speaking of the Big Twelve conference I don't know if these guys could compete the Jets are taking on the Bills who do you got. I'm going the Bills. I mean, it's uh, 31 nothing. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a number, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> if like it's somewhere, I mean, in that, somewhere in the that. The Dolphins range. can win 24 nothing. The Bills surely can win 31 nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, Bills. I don't even have anything else to say about that. Yeah. How about Browns and Bengals? This is interesting. The Browns looked good, got absolutely destroyed by the Steelers. Bengals have been. Uh, I think they've been in pretty much every game this year. Yeah, they've been competitive. They yeah, they've been competitive. So who do you got? <sighs> yeah, I'm going to go the Bengals. I don't know. I'm just going for wow. it. Uh, I'm winning about 75% of my games right now. So uh, I'm I'm going for the Bengals. I mean, if you literally, if you look at all the offensive numbers uh, with, with all the weapons that the Browns have, the leader for every offensive st- uh, major statistic in this game is a Bengal. Um, Joe Burrow has better numbers than Baker Mayfield. Joe Mixon has better numbers than Kareem Hunt uh, and Nick Chubb, who Chubb's obviously hurt at the moment. But uh, Tyler Boyd's got better numbers than Beckham and Landry. So, uh, you know, the Browns pride themselves on having this star-studded offense, and yet the Bengals are beating them in everything uh, in terms of individuals. So... Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I think it's a divisional game. The Browns are down. The Bengals, like we've said, they've been competitive in every single game, and they're going to they're going to start winning some of these games. I think it starts now. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals too. And, and the reason for me is I said it a couple of weeks ago when they're winning. Odell Beckham is arguably probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, yeah. dude's insane. When they lose, he's a cancer to the team. And this week has been no different. I mean, I've already seen all the stories in ESPN. Is it time for the Browns to move on from Odell Beckham? Um, 
And then to add on to that, he gets banned from every LSU game for two years today. Oh. For, for Yeah, he's passing out cash in the locker room after the national championship, which obviously is against the rules. So he's been banned from LSU games. Um, he's obviously not going to be in a good mood. I think he's just a he's a drain on the team this week. They're already coming off of a terrible loss. I got the Bengals. I like Joe Burrow. Okay. Ooh, this one's going to be good. Cowboys versus the football team. Which football team? Oh, that'd be the Washington football team. Washington football team. Uh, you know, the, the Cowboys are struggling, but no chance in hell that Kyle Allen beats Andy Dalton. Go Red Rifle. All I, need save, I need to save this audio clip just in case. Uh, no, I'm, I'm also going Cowboys. The Redskins are a close second to the Jets, but... Oh, I'm sorry. The football team. There you go. My bad. The football team is a close second to the Jets and has been being bad, but the difference is I feel like Washington has upside. <laughs> the Jets don't. So yeah. I got the Cowboys in this one. They should be able to control this on the ground. I think Zeke turns it around. I like the audio clip we played said a lot to me about Zeke's mentality right now. He knows that he has to be that guy that carries this team and he knows he can't do what he did last week. So yep. I think he gets it corrected and he, and he gets them this one. Okay. This one's gonna be a fun game. Actually Packers and Texans. Who do you got? I'm going Packers. I uh, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a fun game. I like how the Texans are playing with Romeo Cornell. It is, it's a completely different team, uh, but the Packers just got thumped by the Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers is going to be pissed. Uh, the Packers are going to come ready to play. Uh, I think it's a high scoring game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if the if the combined scores over sixty with the two teams. Um, but I think the Packers have enough to edge them. Yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout, and and I'll tell you one of the reasons I like the Texans with Romeo Cornell is at Romeo Cornell's age, he knows he's not going to be their permanent head coach. Yeah. He knows he's probably not going to be a head coach anywhere. So he has no, (laughs) there's nothing holding him back from making those risky decisions like he made last week, because who cares? So um, when, when a team has nothing to lose, they're dangerous. So, but I got the Packers in this one because I mean, I think this was a little blip in the radar for the MVP season that, Aaron Rodgers has been having against the Bucks, so I'm taking the Packers in this one. Potential MVP season. Dalton's taking that some bitch. Lions and Falcons. Who you got? I'm going Falcons. Uh, kind of for the same reasons as as you know why I like the Texans. I like the energy that they're showing, getting a, a change of scenery essentially with the new coach. Uh, there's some excitement there. Uh, the offense looked good. The defense actually looked good. You know, who go figure? You get rid of your defensive coach, and the defense plays better. Uh, <laughs> it's it's crazy, but um, I, I mean, I like what the the Lions are doing this season. Um, I don't think they're a bad team. Um, I just think the Falcons are better. Yeah, to me, it kind of comes down to the trend that we've been saying for a few weeks, even with the Chiefs. To me. The defense's best friend at this point is the good offense. <laughs> Don't – I mean, with Matt Ryan and, and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, it's easy just to throw the ball a bunch. Yeah. But you need to control the clock, if, especially when your defense has a beat-up secondary like the Falcons have. You got to control the clock, whether it's a short passing game, run game, whatever it is, pick up first downs, go on 10-play drives, and the Falcons can be a good team still. Yep. Uh, they still have one of the top offenses in the league. So I'm going to go with the Falcons in this one too. Um, I actually like the Lions, but God, I can't imagine Matt Patricia is going to be the coach much longer. Um, you know, they fired the last coach at nine and seven 
and they hired him and he's way below 500 in his couple of years there. So uh, they need this win, but I don't think they get it. I think the Falcons got it. Okay. This is my game of the week. I really, I really dig this game. How about the Steelers and Titans? Oh man. That's, that's a smash mouth game there. That. Oh man. Ah, uh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, try, I'm just thinking football, guys. Uh, so <laughs> is that all you're doing? Yeah. So I, I I haven't made my mind up. That's why I'm going back and forth mentally right about, now. You know, I'll go first. Give you some time. All right. I'm going Titans. That's stupid. Pick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So apparently you're going Steelers. Now I'm going Titans because Derrick Henry. I don't think he's going to go for 200 like he did last week, but when I go back and look at what the Steelers have done this year, the Broncos almost knocked him off uh, okay. running the football and stuff. And to me, the Titans have a really good offense. And, and the most underrated part of it is like you were saying earlier, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, this offense is legit right now. Don't get me wrong. Steelers defense is one of the best in the league right now, but I think the Titans win a close one, but it's going to be a hard fought game. Yeah, I, uh, I I know I just made the stupid pick comment, but I'm going to make the same stupid pick. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go with the Titans, and it is because of Ryan Tannehill. Uh, with how he's playing, like I said, he's he's borderline. He's creeping into that MVP uh, conversation, at least, the back end of it. Um, but because of how he's playing, they're not going to be able to key in on Derrick Henry. Um they can't just load up the box and say, well, we're going to shut down Derrick Henry and make Ryan Tannehill beat us because we, we've we seen Ryan Tannehill absolutely can beat you. Uh, and because of that, it's going to allow them to keep a balanced offense. It's going to allow them to keep the, the Steelers defense on their toes, uh, unsure of what's about to, you know, what's happening here. Um, they're not going to be able to just, you know, basically put their, you know, pin the ears back and, and uh, go after Derrick Henry. But at the same time, they can't just pin their ears back and go after, uh, Ryan Tannehill and try and pressure him because Derek Henry will run right by him. Um, or, you know, if they play like Josh Norman through him. Um, so, I mean, I, I like what the Steelers are doing this year, but the, the Titan, you know, the Titans are just a better team uh, to me, honestly, uh, passing game, running game defense. Uh, I mean, they just, they overall, they're just a better team. Uh, I think it's going to be a really close game, but I think the Titans take it. I agree. All right, how about Seahawks and Cardinals? This is another good game this week. Uh, we're starting to see some of these key divisional matchups. I mean, this this game right here goes a long ways in seeing how this division ends. Um, who do you got? Because both your fantasy quarterbacks, by the way. Both my fantasy quarterbacks. Think about that, people. Um, because of the Seahawks coming off a bye, I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Uh, I think if this was if they were both coming off uh, just – just a regular week where they both played a game, uh, I would be tempted to go with the Cardinals. Uh, but the Seahawks have had two weeks to prepare for the Cardinals. Uh, Russell Wilson's going to be fresh. Um, Carson's going to be ready to go. DK Metcalf's going to be fresh. Lockett. Um, all these guys, Greg Olson, um, who's who's 57 years old, so he's going to have 47-year-old legs. Uh, so he's going to be ready to make that three- to four-yard seam route. Um but uh, yeah, I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be ready to go. Uh, the the Seahawks should have some guys coming back on defense uh, with Jamal Adams and guys like that. Uh, so I, again, I think if this was later in the season, maybe that second matchup, I'll be tempted to go with the Cardinals at that point. But this week, because of the bye, I'm gonna have to go with the Seahawks. 
And, and I picking the Seahawks too. And the reason being, if you look at the score of the Cowboys game, it looks like the Cardinals offense was super crazy. And Kyler Murray was amazing. He completed nine passes in that game. Only nine. He looked off. He had some bad throws. Um, obviously he had a couple big ones, but Russell Wilson to me is the front runner right up there with Aaron Rodgers for MVP. Been having a great year. I, I got the Seahawks in this one. All right. How about Chiefs and Broncos? So the Broncos are going to get Melvin Gordon back from his strep throat. And you can't see him doing air quotes here because he had a DUI and then all of a sudden he gets a strep throat and can't play. Yeah. Um, so he's coming back, but the Chiefs are getting Le'Veon Bell added to the mix, coming off their win. So who do you got? Uh, so I know we have a few Broncos fans out there. Um, but I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I'm going with the Chiefs um, because it's the Chiefs against the Broncos. Uh, simple as that. They're just a better team, uh, and they get Le'Veon Bell. Uh, doesn't matter that you're adding back Melvin Gordon. You don't have Von Miller. Uh, you don't have Cortland Sutton. You don't have the offense to keep up with the Chiefs. You don't have the defense to stop the Chiefs. Chiefs blow them out. In full disclosure, I've got family members that are Broncos fans, sadly, um, including you're, my wife. Yep. Yep. But here's what I'm going to say. Everyone, every time they, the Chiefs play, they get this excuse the Broncos fans do of, well, if we had Von Miller, well, if we had this, if Drew Locke was completely healthy, it doesn't matter. When they had Peyton Manning, even, and Von Miller, they still couldn't beat the Chiefs. It's been like, what, six years since they beat the Chiefs? Yep. Um, without all those guys, it's going to be even harder. So uh, I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk for the Chiefs, but the Chiefs will find a way to win it because that's just what they do. It's a cakewalk. It's a cakewalk, yeah. If anyone of you uh, Broncos fans are listening, you're welcome. Suck it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. We got the Jags and the Chargers. Um, I think we're officially right. We've said the last few weeks that I think the Jags magic has run out. The Gardner Minshew magic is it's only so powerful. Can they win this game, though? No. No. Uh, I mean, Chargers are coming off. They're coming off a bye, so uh, they're going to be a little healthier, as healthy as they've been since week one. Honestly, uh, I love what Justin Herbert's doing. I, I think that kid is is I mean, potential all pro talent um, in a year or two, uh, maybe even next year, maybe this year. Um, to me, I think despite missing the first what game, first game of the season, or not starting the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, he's my offensive rookie of the year at this point, um, ahead of Joe Burrow, at least. Um, and, and some of the other guys, you got Justin Jefferson for, for the Vikings guys like that, that have, that have had some phenomenal starts to the season, but Justin Herbert, uh, has been incredible so far and and Gardner Minshew. Again, I love Gardner Minshew. I think he is the Jaguars franchise quarterback. I hope they don't try and replace him just because, um, I would like to see him put some talent around him. Um, but again, he can only do so much with this team um, and with what they have around him at the moment. Uh, I think the Chargers have have enough to 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 shut down the Minshew magic essentially, and I think Justin Herbert uh, is a big part of that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I like the Chargers, and as much as that kills me to say inside a little bit, but Joey Bosa. I mean, they've got the, they're they've got both sides of the ball good. Um, God, if they could ever get Derwin James to play a season, they might be pretty dangerous. But, um, yeah, it, the Jags, we, we kind of said at the beginning of the year, it's like they're tanky, but they're 
it's like they're tanking, but not very well <laughs> because yeah. they're still trying with Gardner Minshew. He's still trying to win, but they just don't have enough pieces to do it. So yeah. uh, I got the chargers in this one. Yeah. They're, they're, you know what? Speaking of offensive rookie of the year though, why don't they just make an a offensive quarterback of the year or rookie quarterback of the year? And then the others, because uh, I feel like guys like Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Justin Jefferson, they aren't going to get the recognition because it's going to be one of these quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, more than likely I, if, uh, if, Hilaire pushes that 2,000 yard mark or, or 16, 1700 yards and has double digit touchdowns. I could see him getting it, but it, it's sad that that's what it would take for him to beat Herbert yeah. or, 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 uh, Burrow. They need to just do rookie quarterback of the year and then offensive rookie of the year after that because, uh, I yeah. think it's, it'd be a lot more interesting. Yep. All right. Let's look at this one. This is two. Teams that are on kind of roller coaster seasons. You got the 49ers taking on the Patriots. Who do you got? I'm going to go to the Patriots. Patriots, uh, they're actually getting to practice this week. Uh, Bill Belichick, I mean, he he's potentially the greatest coach of all time. Uh, I think he's going to be motivated. I think he's going to be ready to dissect the 49ers. Cam Newton's going to be motivated. Uh, he's going to be healthy. Uh, I believe they'll have Stephon Gilmore back. Uh, they're playing in Foxborough, so... Um, I, I'm going the Patriots on this one. I'm going to go 49ers here, and I'm going to tell you one player as the reason why. Julian Edelman. That guy does not look like he wants to be there this year. Uh, it's sad that his ba- best two plays in the Broncos game were him passing the ball. Um, He just, I don't know, he's not running crisp routes. I don't know if he's hurt, if he has like a, a shoulder injury or what the deal is, but he just doesn't look like the player he's been. And outside of that, they just don't have any weapons. Cam was looking at him all week last week, and it didn't see anything. So also, Cam's not looking good. At least they're going to get some practice in this week. But if the 49ers do what they did last week, I like the 49ers in this one. All right. This is going to be a fun game here, Sunday Night Football. Bucks and Raiders. You got the John Gruden Bowl here. Um, obviously, Super Bowl, you know, the trade history with the Bucks and and Raiders, Tom yep. Brady versus uh, John Gruden in the Tuck game. I mean, you got a lot of good storylines here. Who do you got? Um, I'm going to go with Buccaneers on this one. Um, I, again, it's it's we saw what happened the last time the the Patriots, or sorry, not the Patriots, the Buccaneers lost. Um, they reeled off, I think, what three straight wins in pretty dominant fashion. Then they lost again. Now they just beat the the Packers in dominant fashion. Uh, I think they're about to thump the Raiders, honestly. Um, I love what the Raiders are doing. I think they're having a great year. Um, this is the year I said that they needed to make that progression and really show that they're a playoff contender, and I believe they're doing that. Uh, but I, I think the Buccaneers take this one. Yeah, I agree. Not only because I just hope the Raiders lose because those bastards beat the Chiefs, but um, one thing I've noticed the entire career of Derek Carr, if you can get pressure on him, he folds. And uh, that's what the Chiefs did not do the week before last. They didn't pressure him at all, and he stood there all day long and just dialed up blitzes. I can guarantee you Levante Davis not going to let that happen. They're going to get pressure on Derek Carr, and they're going to force him to make errors. And for that reason, I like the Bucks. All right. This one's going to be fun, too. Monday Night Football. Bears, sneaky bears. That's what I'm going to call them from now on. Against the Rams. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going the Rams. Um, the Ram they are coming off a loss, but I mean the that defense, especially if Aaron Donald's playing well, is elite. Uh, the offense, uh, you know, Jared Goff has quietly put together a hell of a season. 
the run game has actually been pretty good. Uh, those receivers, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, those guys are having a great season. Uh, I, I mean, we, we talked about the Bears. I mean, they're, they could potentially be a double-digit win team. Um, but at the same time, they could also – you know, get blown out very easily if the if the offense doesn't show up or if the defense doesn't show up. Sorry, uh, I, I think the Rams take this one, and and honestly, I think it's a, a double digit win for the Rams. Yeah, I'm with you, and and again, I think I can pin it on one person here. It's gonna be Aaron Donald. Uh, Nick Foles is one of those guys too that you get up in his face and make and put pressure on him. It's gonna be a rough day, and uh, like you said, if they if the Bears can get off to an early start. They got a chance, but I don't see that happening against Aaron Donald in this Rams defense. Um, I think he's probably another candidate for defensive player of the year this year. So I'm going Rams. All right. All right. That wraps up our picks. You got anything else you're looking out for this week? Uh, yeah, I mean, just some of these big divisional games that we've we've talked about, uh, seeing who can kind of take control of the NFC East, uh, the, the shit show that it is, but um, it's still there. Uh, can the Cardinals make a statement against the, the Seahawks? Uh, I know we both picked the Seahawks, but, you know, imagine if the Cardinals beat them. I mean, Car- you're looking at a 5-2 and two Cardinals team all of a sudden with a win over the Seahawks. Um, so there's some big divisional games there, the Saints and the Panthers. Uh, you know, then that huge game, Titans Steelers, uh, not a divisional game, but that's a, that's just a big game, honestly. Um, so just a lot of, a lot of good divisional games, a lot of big, uh, non-divisional games, uh, to look forward to Le'Veon Bell making his debut with the chiefs. Uh, uh, you know, we're, this is the off week, but just, you know, there's going to be more discussion about Tua Tonga Viola. Uh, taken over as a starter for the Dolphins is that the right choice? Uh, we obviously won't find out till next week, but the, you know that discussion is going to be there, uh, and we'll be discussing that a lot on the next episode, I'm sure. Um, so there's there's just a lot to look forward to, a lot of good games, uh, a lot of big headlines. So I kind of want to give this a shout out. We haven't really covered college football much this year because of the craziness, but Big Ten's back this week. Um, yeah, absolutely. Sadly, Nebraska taking on Ohio State. That's going to be uh, yikes. Yep. <laughs> but I'm still looking forward to it. Nonetheless, it's it's going to bring that normalcy back uh, in our area, or at least my area in Nebraska. That um, we don't. I haven't barely watched any college football this year, so I'm excited to get the Big Ten back. It's going to make Saturdays just feel a little bit more normal this fall. Yeah, and and the one thing I can assure you is that the Big Ten did not hold a grudge against Nebraska for Colorado. <laughs> Um, the schedule does not reflect that. I feel like Nebraska got a pretty favorable schedule. So, um, lucky you guys, you should just coast into a, to a bowl, uh, bowl game. Hey, I will say this for the first time in a long time, Nebraska's bowl eligible because they released, you don't have to win six games this year. You're just automatically eligible. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> bowl eligible sucker. What's up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm excited to have big 10 football back. Um, again, I, th- I, it, it, you know, I'm not a Nebraska fan. They're not my team or anything. I don't, I don't hate, I don't like them. I don't dislike them. Um, I, I slightly root for them because of you and in some other people, but, and I've been to a game. So, um, great atmosphere there. And, uh, you know, I, I know Ohio state's probably going to trounce them. Um, but, you know, maybe Nebraska can make it a, a fun game. You know, who knows? Uh, and then we'll see, you know, Michigan, I'm sure, win a few big games until they play Ohio State, and they'll get dominated again. And Ohio State will probably be in the, the playoffs, but we'll see. <laughs> I'd just like to point out, I don't want to get too in detail here because obviously it's uh, risky on the radio, but that one Husker game Michael did go to, he forgot pants. 
I did forget Still, pants. You forgot forgot to wear pants, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, very cold out. <laughs> the other, other thing that's worth pointing out this week is how bad I beat you in fantasy yet again. I mean, two and zero against you in fantasy this year. How how you liking that? Uh, I think I only had one guy on my bench playing because I had everyone on a bye. Now, granted, we've discussed this in episodes last year. I made the rookie mistake of having a lot of guys on a bye week at the same time. Um, I was also anticipating having Christian McCaffrey at this point. Didn't you also have like 17 Cowboys starting? (laughs) Because all my guys were on bye. Uh, Yeah, I also anticipated having Christian McCaffrey. So at the end of the day, what it really boils down to is Christian McCaffrey cost me this win. Uh, and so I'll be looking for, uh, some sort of, uh, payback from him, um, financially, of course, uh, <laughs> yeah. or in terms you of write the check to Mike Adams yeah. care of uh, Iron authority. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or, I mean, if he just wants to do an episode or, you know, play me in Madden or something like that, um, just anything along those lines. So if he ever listens to this by some small chance, um, <laughs> I do blame him for this and he should pay me back. Oh, I'd be surprised if he wasn't a subscriber. Uh, he's probably one of them, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, Mike, why don't you tell them where else they could find us? Uh, as always, check us out on gridironauthority.com. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, anywhere you stream podcasts, Apple Music, uh, Google Music or Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, anything like that. Um, like, subscribe, tell your friends about us, uh, and we'll see you next time. All right, we'll see you guys. <laughs>